Hi, I'm Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton, and you're listening to Single High, a Notre Dame football podcast from UHND.com, the official home of the Kyle Hamilton fan club. And Greg Welcome back to another edition of Single High, Notre Dame football podcast from UHND.com. Coming to you a few days after Notre Dame's lackluster uh, performance at Louisville, falling uh, in embarrassing fashion to the to the 25th ranked uh, Cardinals. I am one of your hosts. Frank Fatovich joined as always with the president of the Kyle Hamilton fan club, video analyst over at Irish Sports Daily, Mr. Greg Flamong. Greg, three days, four days. I've lost track of how many days it's been since that game. Um, how how are you? Where, where, where are you at right now? A few days after what we saw Saturday night. Um, like in no, terms I- of optimism of the team, like are you like. Are you, are you, I mean, I think everybody was at a low, but have you come yeah. back up at all? Are you, are you trending towards any sort of level, sliver of optimism, or are you just uh, not that optimistic headed into the weekend? Uh, not that optimistic. I mean, just yeah. in terms of, like, I'm Neither. concerned. Oh, yes. Yes, so. not, not even, I mean, I'm trying to find optimism and it's hard right now it is not not easy um the shocking thing to me though and i'm about to hit publish in a little bit on the weekly uh notre dame betting trends article on uhnd.com the shocking thing to me greg is that the betting public seems to be optimistic on notre dame um which i'm still trying to wrap my head around i know usc it has not looked great before we get too far into usc we got to talk about louis that louisville game but I thought it was a misprint when I first saw that Notre Dame opened as like a two, two and a half point favorite. I saw the line move to three at one point yesterday. Some money did start coming in on USC because it's trended back down to two and a half. Last I looked, I don't even know. It might even be lower by now. But I was just, I was shocked when I saw, you know, at one point yesterday, 80% of, of the money was placed on Notre Dame at two and a half points, which I, I don't get because... What I saw Saturday night against Louisville does not would not have me optimistic that Notre Dame was gonna you know handle business against a whole lot of teams right now you know maybe against the you know those like the Central Michigans and and the Navies that we played this year but man that was rough on Saturday night um, yeah. and I know you've talked about it on you know, quite a bit 
And again, I will say, I think I said this to you after, you know, after our Ohio State pod, but just hats off to you and Jamie over at ISD for being able to, um, you know, to, uh, you know, to pod immediately following that game because I was in no condition <laughs> to talk to talk about that game. I, I honestly I saw you tweet like we're about to go live and I was like, I have to see how you guys are able to do this um, just for my own. I was like, maybe this will be personal growth for me to see two, <laughs> two adult men be able to, to discuss a game uh, played, you know, played by 18, 19, 20 year olds um, without it just totally, you know, affecting their entire, you know, psyche. So hats off to you guys. Cause you guys, you, you were clearly disappointed, but like you were able to be, you know, level-headed and, and talk about what went wrong, which was, which was a lot. Um, and you know what? You, you know, you, you did it with, without, you know, say getting like, uh, you know, crazy or ranting and raving like some of the other pods out there. There was no cursing or anything like that, which, you know, if anything, Notre Dame is, is very not offensive these days. I owe. You're just on brand. You're doing it for the brand. No offensiveness in this podcast whatsoever. But seriously, I don't. I, I even messaged Jamie. I was like, I don't know. I don't know how you guys do this. Like, I just wanted to be sad um, <laughs> after that game because it was so bad. Like, where where does that one rank for you in terms of like just like disappointment in what you saw relative to what you expected to see? Um, not. I mean, not very high. Like, oh really? Well, okay. Be- just because, like, I I expected like i mean i i kind of i thought that they would have a better performance just period right right yeah, yeah. um i thought they would come out and play well and i thought they would be able to control the game and obviously they didn't but i wasn't i'm i so sometimes i get disappointed by like when they when they do something that they haven't really shown like mm-hmm. disappointment to me comes from like you're blowing this game you know, like, you know, when you drive the ball and it's kind of, I mean, disappointment is more of the, the Ohio State thing, really, because mm-hmm. they came out and they were playing well against Ohio State. In the first couple of drives, they were moving the ball. They were just kind of messing it up when they needed to, like the fourth and one, um, all those fourth downs and that sort of thing, where it's just like you're blowing opportunities to kind of take control of this game. Right. Because they were playing well and they had a, you know, fairly good plan. But they, they were executing what they wanted, and they kind of blew it. Like in this game, it was a lot closer to the Duke game where it's like, hey, you guys, they're, you're not playing well, and you mm-hmm. don't have a lot of answers. And so I wasn't surprised at that because that's what it looked like against Duke. True. It looked pretty lost against Duke. And so that's where it's like I was – I was, of course, disappointed by that, but I wasn't really surprised either. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just, we had just seen it. So, I mean, I told you, right? You know, you said it was I the told, trappiest I, of trap games. Well, not even <laughs> just that, but I, I told you after Duke, I might have told you after Ohio State that, like, the offense is kind of broken. Like, it didn't look good. I said, it, I don't think that the offense is going to be what we want or we wanted, right? Like, so I was not surprised to see yeah. them get bogged down. Right. If you yep. can't run the ball with this offense, you're big, big trouble. 
Mickey Mouse offense is what you Mickey referred Mouse to offense. it as, yeah. as after Ohio State, and I that might be generous after after Louisville. Um, that because that was it was just and and the reason I say you know, disappointed it, it, it and how it like why well, I was a little surprised that you said it didn't rank up there that high because this was one of the more for me at least like disappointing games I remember. Um, I mean, there's been a lot as, as Notre Dame fans. But to me, it's up there with Stanford last year where I just felt like there was no reason for it to be as disappointing, you know, as it was, at least against Duke. And I and I get the point of like, you know, against Duke and Ohio State, those were, you know, the, the offense didn't look great, but those were substantially better defenses that Notre Dame faced. Like Duke's a really good defense. Um, you know, Ohio State's a really good defense. Louisville's not. And and it's not like sour grapes. It's not, you know, looking back, it's like coming into that game. What were they? They were in the hundreds in yeah. terms of explosive plays allowed. And Notre Dame wasn't able to generate anything, really. Were they one explosive play before the before garbage time? Or did they have any? I don't even remember if they had any. Oh, yeah, they no, did. No, they had the, they the, they had the pass, the face on. They also had, I mean, look, they had, they had the Tyree open for yeah, a touchdown yeah. and they missed yeah. it, right? Like that's, Still, those not, are huge. I mean, that's a huge oh, play, yes. right? Like if you score totally. there, you go up 14-7. Totally. It's a huge totally. play. I agree. I agree on that. Um, but that's still, it's one, like, it. even if he catches that, I mean, I don't get momentum and all that, but I don't, it, it, like, they didn't go back to it, though, either, right. which is also that's puzzling. True. Correct. Um, so it's like, why it was so disappointing for me watching is, like, I never, like, I thought if they're going to lose this game, like, going into it, my thought was, like, if Notre Dame's going to lose, they're not going to lose in a game where they just look inept on offense because Louisville's defense has not been that great, right? They held, uh, you know, NC state to 10, but I mean, we all saw what Brandon Armstrong and that offense looks like. So it's not like the NC state offense is anything, uh, you know, anything great. Uh, but it, it was just watching it. I, it, I was having a hard time thinking back to like a worse offensive performance, at least with, with solid personnel. I mean, we've seen worse, you know, like think, I mean, 2007, that was, you know, that was the norm seeing, seeing things like that, where you just yeah. were, you know, you saw just ineptness at, a, at every corner, but like with a experienced quarterback, you, you know, with a good offensive line, which I want to talk about the rotating of offensive linemen, because that was something. Um, but, we, and I, you know, even with the, the injuries, you know, at receiver, like, you got to get more out of them. Like it, it can't just be like it, it, with, with what we're seeing at receiver, it's like, you know, you keep hearing like, well, you know, it's what Notre Dame has. It's like, what is every receiver that's not hurt a miss? Like, cause that, that, you know, these, the players that played were pretty highly rated and recruiting rankings or whatever. Right. You know, they're not always going to be absolute, but it's like, they're also not always wrong. So like something's up there where it's like, if you can't scheme these guys open, then there's a problem or problems, you know, in the in just the overall operation of the offense, because like it, it shouldn't have been, you know, that tough. Like it was clear Louisville was like, we're going to put eight, nine in the box. It's like, OK, fine. Like Notre Dame should have they, one should have expected that. And two, they should have been able to, you know, to create plays outside of the face on one and the, you know, the one to Tyree that he dropped. Yeah. Um, and maybe like there was what, maybe one or two others to Evans that were, that were nice that, that, that could have gotten Louisville out of that. Look, they d really did nothing to make Louisville pay for that look. 
And at the end, it just was like, man, you're watching it. And it's like, I started counting in the box every time. I'm like, okay, eight, nine, don't run, don't, ah, they ran. And it's like, what is going on here? Um, and actually, before we get to the line, let me ask you this, because this is something, again, I don't know if it's just me noticing this, or if you've noticed this, or you know, maybe you've even you talked about it on some of the other pods you've done. Uh-huh. When Notre Dame loses, I have a really hard time consuming other content, so I haven't listened to them all this week. Fair enough. Uh, like I said, I like to just be sad in my own thoughts when Notre Dame loses <laughs> games like this. But it, it doesn't seem like Hartman is is ever really checking out of plays. And is it like, is does he just not have like the green light to do that? Is he and I'm not noticing it? I know they do the stupid, you know, check to the sideline, check with me thing that drives me nuts. Yeah. Um because it's like, cool, we're going no huddle. That's when Hartman seems to really throw out, oh, no, we're not. Now we're staring. Everyone's looking at the sideline. We're waiting for the play. And it's like, Hartman is a sixth-year quarterback. You will never have a more experienced college football quarterback, possibly ever, because, I mean, the window for guys to play as many games as he has is going to close as soon as, well, what? I guess 2020 was the COVID year. So there's only one more year left, really, where those players who played in 2020 can get that free extra year. So yeah. it's like you're never going to have a more experienced college football quarterback at your hands. Like, it just something seems up to, like weird to me that I, if I, as a fan who I am, and even on this pod, I'm the least knowledgeable on this pod. So there's only two of us. So it's like, I'm not thinking of myself as like this X's and O's guru, but like if I could sit there and go, oh, that's a stacked box, don't run, and then just watch Notre Dame continually run into it, I, it just seems – what am I missing in here? In the, in, in because I must be missing something. Well, so I think any offense, just generally speaking, like needs built-in checks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you, you get a certain look. It's like in the game plan. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be like an audible per se, where it's just like, hey, yeah. like we're they're in this formation and we're in this formation. Okay, like we're gonna just automatically check to this, and everyone knows. Like going into the game, you know, like you need to have those things uh, because you can kind of just you can kind of anticipate like they right. might do this against us, you know. And so this is how we're going to put our guys in a good situation, and we're gonna put them in in kind of a bind, and we're gonna put them in a bad situation, right? Yeah, where you know, to your point, like that Notre Dame is staying in bad plays. They're staying in plays where you just look at it and you're just like, well, I mean, you could try to run it, but it's a, you're asking a lot, you know, you're, you're putting the guys in, in a bad situation. Um, yeah. you know, you're asking your freshman wide receiver to, to uh. win a one-on-one 50, 50 ball, right? Like, is that, is that putting him in the best position? Is no. that putting Sam Hartman in the best position? Like, it's kind of not, right? Like, if you don't like your wide receivers, okay, well, then don't ask them to win one-on-one right? on a jump ball situation when, you know, it's not a 50-50, really. It's probably less than that. So, <laughs> like, you want to use that. You want to use motion. You want to use shifts to identify the defense and put them in a situation where it's like, okay, we, we, we don't like this. Maybe they have to check out of something. And then you find yourself in a favorable position, right? Like, that yeah. is – it's pretty basic – around college football right you see it all the time um i mean you know not to not to you know dig the knife in or whatever but like i saw it just a second ago watching 
Alabama play Texas A&M. No. Right? Where, where it's, it's like they, they go – they go trips left with a single wide receiver to the boundary on third down. Uh, Texas A&M shows man. Jalen Milrow looks at the sideline. He changes the play. They send the back in motion. The linebacker follows. Jalen Milrow then knows the middle of the field's open. They're in man coverage. I'm going to go to the slant at the top. Yeah. And he hits it. I mean, Notre Dame did this against um, Wisconsin in mm-hmm. 2021. Notre Dame did this last year. Right, like this is something that Notre Dame has done, and it, what they did with Tommy Reese, right? And if the safety had been watching film of 2021, as soon as that bat goes in motion, you need to jump the slant coming on the other way. But obviously, he didn't. But it's like that's the sort of thing where it's like you put your wide receiver in a winning position against an off player, and all he has to run do is run a quick slant against this, an off corner, mm-hmm. and he scored a touchdown. Right, so that's the kind of thing where Notre Dame needs to be able to do that, and they're not doing that. Um, I do think we – I think one of the biggest things, and I talked about this with Jamie on Hit and Hustle yesterday, which was Tuesday, is that I think that I especially I, – because I, I Jamie thought so as well for his own, but I, I'll just speak for myself here. Like, I think that we made a mistake that he's a six-year senior, speaking of Sam Hartman. Mm-hmm. He can he can handle everything that Notre Dame needs to give him, and the fact of the matter is is that he's changing offenses, and it's as old and as experienced as he is, he hasn't played an offense like this, and that learning curve is longer and bigger than I think anybody anticipated, and that is another con conflicting variable here. Yeah, you know, so. Oof, but he, I mean. If that is the case, then too, it's like, why did we not run, add some of the stuff that you know that that Wake Forest did to make it easier? Like, I, I've, you know, I, I saw him run RPOs at Wake Forest. Like, where are those? For sure. In the, no, in 100%. the in, in those instances where you got the eight and nine in the box, why are you not, you know, p- taking that ball back and firing it out for a free four or five yards? And that is actually something though that. It, you and I have talked about for the last couple of years as to like the lack of that in Notre Dame's offense in general, which is frustrating to just take the free yards, right? Like if they're going to stack the box against you, take four or five yards for free every time. Cause guess what? Eventually they're going to stop because you can't, it's not a sustainable way for a defense to, uh, you know, to, to play if they're just going to give you, you know, kind of those easy access plays. And it's like, we don't have, it doesn't seem like this offense has any of that, built in where it's like we go in with a game plan and it's like well shit they had a better game plan so i guess we're stuck and that is what's concerning and frustrating and what was so shocking to me you know watching that game because i don't think louisville really did anything crazy that notre dame had not seen this year it's not like they came out in some sort of wild defensive front and was like you know what we've been studying notre dame we know how to stop them they did what Duke did. They did what Ohio State did. And it's like Notre Dame just came out and was like, well, we're just going to run it at you because we're Notre Dame. and we're, we're a running team, and that's what we want to be. And then when they couldn't, was like, uh-oh. Now what do we, now what do, we do? And you know, you, then they found, they found, found stuff. You found Faison 
working the slot. You get him open for the touchdown. He had another catch, you know, earlier in that drive on a third down. And it's like, well, okay, then we're going to stop going to him now. And then you get you scheme Tyree open on basically the same concept to the other side of the field as, as Faison's touchdown. Should have been a touchdown. But what was that? That was like the second quarter, wasn't it? Or was it early third? Yeah. yeah. It was either late second or early third. Whenever it was, it's like, okay, you found something. Attack that mismatch. And instead, we didn't see Notre Dame go after it again. And it was just like, well, we had two of those plays drawn up. We used them. And that's it. Now we go back to something else. And... It is concerning for the rest of this season, obviously, um, that that is the offense that Notre Dame has halfway through the season after an entire offseason, um, you know, to to know what their strengths and weaknesses were. Speaking of weaknesses, you know, it, it seemed like and there is actually you know, some almost some conflicting information about this, you know, this week, whereas, you know, after the game, if I'm not mistaken, Joe Alt said like. Yeah, you know, the plan was to rotate guards all, you know, all week. I knew that was going to happen. And then if I'm not, did Freeman not say something on Monday that kind of contradicted that? He might no. I have to. Oh, he no, didn't? I thought he did. That was the plan. Okay. No, that was the plan. What am I thinking? I, he said something on that I was like, well, that's different than what we heard on uh, on Saturday night. Sorry, maybe it wasn't the guards. But it, if that was the plan, why in game seven or six, whatever, <laughs> seven right what now i've already lost track of our the number of games that we're at but why would you yeah. do that then like i get uh, maybe they thought like i mean they did it against um virginia tech 21 but they didn't rotate it was like they were unhappy with guard play they made a change and boom it worked but like that's not what they did here it's like they're like well, we're gonna try you both and that's not that that oh, when has that ever worked um, I mean, it's not that it's, it's not, a like a, when is that ever worked situation? It's more of like, like you had all this lead up to get it figured out. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, look, if they're doing that and if they need it to work, then that's one thing. But like you had the four games, like, I, this is something I keep coming back to. It's like, you could not be in this position given the way that that the uh schedule was set up the schedule was set up like that's the whole point that's the whole point is like you had because everyone's talking about the eight games lead up right like eight straight games like first of all teams play eight straight games a lot it's not a new thing yeah not an excuse yeah and but it's like but the fact is is that you did have the first four games against weaker opponents where you could figure out where are you exactly where are you with these guys you know what I mean? Like yeah. the fact that you never rotated those guards dur- against Tennessee State and against Central Michigan and against Navy. Like you never rotated those guys. <sighs> and then you get into game seven against Louisville on the road down and that now we're rotating. I said, like, well, that's not good process. No. Right. And it went how exactly how you would think. Like they got crushed. I don't trust that process. Right. Like it's not <laughs> a good, it's not a good process. It just isn't. I'm used so, to bad process as a Philadelphia sports fan too. So I know a thing or two about that. So I agree. Yeah. So yeah, it's just not, it's bad. It's bad no. process. 
Very bad. Um, and what's the shame of it too is like I I, I feel like in all of the just just the badness surrounding the offense this week. I, not that the defense played great, because there's definitely a few plays that they needed to make. But like, I feel like the defense caught some strays this week from some where it's like, well, you know, tackling was terrible and this and that. And it's like, yeah, tackling was not great. DJ Brown specifically, I'm sure, did not have fun in film session this week based on the two long touchdown runs. But like, you were basically asking the defense to play perfect for another, you know, a third straight week. Cause look, they played other than the last drive, which again had a big mistake against Ohio state. You could not have asked for the Notre Dame defense to hold that offense in check more than they did. Right. The offense needed to score more points in that game for Notre Dame to win all the other things aside and all the, you know, again, the, the problems that happened on the last drive, um, you know, from Ohio State are what they are. But it's like, again, someone in August said to you, Greg, Notre Dame holds Ohio State to 17 points. You're probably thinking that's a win for Notre Dame. Right. Against Duke, yeah. they played pretty damn well against Duke. There was a few moments, you know, where Duke where Duke drove. But it's like, no, Notre Dame needed to score more points in that game for them not to need those heroics. But then they ended up, you know, survived another week. And then it was just like, it seemed like the defense just, like, the water was reaching the top of the dam for too long, and it finally just broke. And they were like, in this, you know, the third and fourth quarter, where it's just like, you know what? We can't we can't play perfect anymore. Um, and that's why the, the end result for the defense, at least from a points perspective, looked, I think, way worse you know, than, than what the defense actually did. Because when you looked at the end of the game, looking at the yards was also just like sobering. Um, and I definitely needed to sober up after that game because um, the beers were flowing. Saturday was a, was a, well, it was shaping up to be a brilliant day of, of sports, um, you know, in our household because we had the AM Bama game at three, had Phillies Braves uh, game one at six and then the Notre Dame game, uh, you know, at Notre Dame Louisville game at seven 30. So by the end of that Louisville game, I was, I was in some kind of state, but you looked at it and it's like, gave up 330 yards, 145 yards passing. Right. Like that's again, if you knew that going in, you'd probably think like, well, that's probably, you know, a case where Notre Dame is going to, uh, you know, to win that game. I mean, even third downs, like they gave up five out of 14 third downs. It's not a bad conversion rate for, you know, for a defense. And, but instead, you know, what was the, again, I think it might have, it was either Jamie or Matt at ISD had a stat that when I read it, I was like, oh my God. It was Louisville had something like 20 yards of offense combined on their final three drives and scored nine points oh, because yeah, of just. It because was, of where they were, yeah. Because of where they were. So let's look. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Not including the end of game. Okay, yeah. Four plays, seven yards, three points. Four plays, negative four yards, three points. So where are you at there? Eight plays and four. Eight eight plays and three yards. Next drive, four plays, eight yards, eleven yards of offense, nine points. They averaged less than a yard per play on those last three drives before the end of game and actually extended their lead. And that was after the 
inexplicable fourth and 11 decision from Marcus Freeman, which is, I don't know. I mean, he was looking, he was looking good beginning of this year, man, in terms of like developing and, and learning. And this was definitely not one of his better coach games. In fact, it might've been his worst. I'm trying to think, well, maybe, I mean, I mean, it wasn't the worst loss. Marshall was obviously the worst loss, but like in terms of like game management and how he handled things, like was, has he had a worse game? Uh, Duke was worse. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Now look, this was not good. (laughs) Duke was worse situationally. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because like he had the field goal decisions. Obviously worse as well. Well, Here's here's the here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. Fourth and eleven. Hot take. That was the correct thing to do. You not what? Yeah. Hundred percent. With the way that this that that offense was moving or not moving the ball. You thought that was the correct move? Yes. I don't know, man. The, it, 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 that was correct. Uh, kicking the field goal at 17-10 on fourth and four from 37 was awful. Yeah. Terrible. But, but it, like, it's for the same reason, right? So, like, you needed to go for it then. That was indefensible. You Like, punting, like... Putting the ball on fourth and eleven at that point would have been defensible, just in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. But like <laughs> the not going for it on fourth and four was really, was bad. really bad. Like punting was a better decision than kicking a field goal. True, given. But I tell you what, though, hats off, Spencer Schrader. Um, well, for sure. But like, like he just had himself a game. Like I, I mean, just just to give him credit, because he got shredded on Twitter and everywhere else, um, you know, for his first five six games um, for the misses and to hit two fifty plus yarders. Like Marcus Freeman is not putting that kid in a good position. He's just like, we are only going to kick fifty yard field goals this year. Like we're not going to kick unless it's fifty yards. It seems like. Yeah, I mean. Those like I just I just think like those because here's the thing on the fourth and eleven you need the ball you have mm-hmm. to have the ball the ball is everything right because what did the defense do the defense stopped them and you're still down two scores true like so you like you you have to the ball is imp- you have to have the ball it's everything right mm-hmm. so it's like but the, here's the other part if if you if you are going for it on fourth and 11 then the call on third and 11 can't be what it was because mm. if you know you have two downs then you then run it there right if you know you have two downs if he know if if you say hey if, if on fourth and 11 just so you know jared we're going for this if we don't get it then call a draw call something else where it's like we are definitely getting yards here how about a screen to a running back? Whatever. It, it just you can't have third just like and eleven, in general. and you know you're going for it on fourth and eleven. You can't have it be. You can't have it be. You can't get no yards, right? So that's the problem, and that's part of like the the game management piece, where it's like, hey man, you're not you're not managing this game very well. He didn't manage Duke very well, mm. right? He they didn't manage Ohio State. Obviously, they didn't manage Ohio State very well, right? right? So. It's just like that trend is 
very alarming. Yeah. Very alarming. So, uh, but yeah, so that's why it, to me, it's like, look, you're in a bad way regardless. But I do think going for it there, it's like, do you need the ball? You need to score twice. One of them definitely needs to be a touchdown. And so you you have to have the ball. You can't just right. keep giving them the ball, especially after you took the field goal. Like, that's so bad. That's so bad. So bad. Well, that is, uh, I think I think people will be surprised if they haven't heard you say that this week already. They'll be surprised to, to hear it there. And, folks, if you were hoping to tune in to feel better about Notre Dame football, sorry, but – um, neither of us are feeling great about it right now, um, as you can tell. Um, and we got some questions, but let, let's talk a little bit about USC first, I guess. Or was there, you know what, let me before anything else, Louisville game we haven't covered that you, 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 you think is worth mentioning before moving on to USC? Um, Louisville game, I think. I think Sam Hartman needs to be better. Yes. Um, it just in general, like the first interception can't happen. Period. Yeah, I, I hated that play. That can be- never happen. I hated the play, but you can't put the ball there. Right. On first and ten. Yeah, I got really can't- annoyed with people like on Twitter being like, "Rico, could yes, Rico Flores could have you know done a better job and." Yeah, even the the coaches mentioned that, which I was like, "Come on, man! He's your freshman, you know, wide receiver. That was just a terrible, terrible position to put him in on the first play of the game. I guess your that's your first play of the game. Come on. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 not. I didn't. I don't like it. Right, and I don't. But you just get that ball can't be put there. Right, you just can't. You can't put it there. It's got to be either Flores catches it or nobody. Right. You know that ball is not in a good place. It's like it's like the Navy thing. Remember against Navy when Tobias was open and he yeah. threw it short, and everyone's like, "Oh, Tobias, you got to fight for it." Well, that's got to be a better pass. Yeah. And, and and so you know everyone killed Tobias, and and no one's really killing Flores, right? But like. It's just the ball's got to be better there. It's, it's, oh, the 100%. other interception, the other interception where he threw it to Evans, it's just sailed it. Yeah. You can't, you can't do that. No, he was open too. Right. He was, he was open. Yeah. So it just, he has to be better. It was, it was not a good performance from him. Um, you know, I, like you said about the defense. The defense is fine. They're 11th nationally in yards per play allowed. 11th. Yeah. They're fine. I'm yeah. I'm totally fine with the defense. Um, at least you know in terms of where they, or in 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 in, in what they how they played. There was again bad couple bad plays, but again they were at they were asked to play perfect. And even when they did things like get Notre Dame the ball back, like Cam Hart, hell of a play to start the second half when. And that was a that was a spot where Louisville had a chance between um, and this is where Louisville was like, no, Notre Dame, we don't want to win. Take it. Take this and and start to run away with the game. And Notre Dame was like, nah, man, we're good, too. You know, we'll, we'll like let's we're not going to take advantage here where Louisville misses the field goal at the end of the half, then comes out. Cam Hart gives up the reception, but causes the fumble. 
recovers it, gives the Notre Dame offense the ball in plus territory. It's like, okay, finally, this is where we're going to, we're going to start. And it's like, nope, not going to do anything with it. And you're like, come on. Like the defense is giving you the ball. One of the biggest, the, I, I think the one, you know, criticism that the defense that you could, you could place on it all year long was not creating a lot of negative plays, right? Like getting good pressure, not finishing and not creating a lot of turnovers outside of that, like five minute stretch of, um, you know, the NC state game where Brendan Armstrong, you know, went full Graham Mertz and just kept turning it over. Um, outside of that, like the defense hasn't really created a ton of turnovers. So like, even there though, you get it and it's like, well, we're just going to waste it. So frustrating, frustrating, frustrating. Which is why I'm shocked that Notre Dame is favored to beat USC this weekend. Like are you, you are much closer to USC than you know than, yeah. than myself and the majority of our listeners. Are you surprised that that Notre Dame opened or I think they might have actually I think USC might have opened as a favorite very briefly on some books and the line just immediately jumped to uh, you know to Notre Dame. But are you surprised? A hundred percent. Maybe it's a weather thing. Uh, that's possible. I don't know. I, I look at, at the forecast you, today. It's USC, not that crazy. USC doesn't look like they are worse than last year. Yeah. Not markedly worse, right? But they are definitely not as good. Um, but it's just like, what? Like they haven't, Notre Dame hasn't looked good in a football game in a month, a, a month. Yeah, and it's still – I'm looking at the the lines right now. You can get Notre Dame minus three on Bet365. You can get it – it's minus two and a half on DraftKings. Caesars has it minus three. And I don't know. Is this going to be one of those ones where like at, you know, at the, you know, the 11th hour on Saturday, a ton of late money comes in on USC? Because it's just like I'm not really a betting man. But I, as a Notre Dame fan, do not necessarily have faith, <laughs> much faith right now that Notre Dame can cover three points against USC. Like, if this line would be USC minus seven right now, I'd go, yeah, that's about right. Like, that's where I think it should be. Yeah. But it's shocking. Um, it hasn't moved a ton. Like I said, it's you know been about uh, half a point the last two days going back and forth between you know two and a half and three. But it just seems like... It seems crazy to me. Like if everybody, if I, I would have thought it would have moved more back towards USC. Cause like, I mean, I guess people look and see like, well, they took three overtimes against Arizona. Notre Dame at least has a quality win against Duke. But like, I'm just surprised it hasn't moved more. Cause I would have assumed a lot of people would jump on USC plus three in this game. And the weather, I mean, I looked last, I looked the weather earlier today. It said like showers. It didn't necessarily say like downpours or like, you know, steady rain or anything like that. So I don't know. Um, it it seems uh, you know surprising to me, but um, outside of the point spread, which we feel like is just weird, you know, for this game, like how else are you feeling about it right now, or like what to watch? Because I don't think either one of us is is actually optimistic that Notre Dame is going to win this game. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't, I don't know what to make of that. Um, hmm. It's uh, like we said, the weather. Like I, as you mentioned the weather earlier. I just, I just looked it up too, and yeah. it, 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 it. I don't think it's going to rain that much. It's not going to be right. that windy. Uh, so, 
You know, what I will say is like USC, like I said, like USC's got like the game they played last weekend was not good against Arizona. No. Um, You know, and I don't think they played that well, certainly defensively against Colorado. Um, So they haven't looked that great, you know, but. But it would be it wouldn't be surprising to me either if like this is the game they decide to be like, okay, we're back. We're going to put it all together. For sure. I, I, I would not. I would not put money on Notre Dame this week. Sorry. I would not. I would not either. Um, yeah. Not. Um, there's, although, especially because I felt what's funny is I have a, a little group text message with some guys at work, and um, I don't bet really. Um, like every now and then, I'll be like, throw like fifty bucks in a FanDuel account and have some fun for a weekend. But that's about it. Like I don't. I don't really bet. Um, but they, you know, the guys that I'm on this text chain with too. And I was like, FYI, I was like, I actually love. Notre Dame minus six and a half against Louisville tonight. <laughs> so I felt terrible uh, for telling them that because I was like, I, I feel really good about this one, guys. Um, oof, that was that was not it turned out not to be not to be the move um, last week. Um, so I've I, I waited. I, I told them I was like, I don't I don't understand this spread. Um, and uh, I don't think they responded. Maybe they're mad at me for giving. <laughs> it, I will tell you, it was the first time. I think it was the first time this year that I was wrong about a point spread for Notre Dame in terms of the advice that I gave. No, there was one, which I think the Central Michigan game, I thought I didn't think Notre Dame would cover. And then Notre Dame ended up covering because of that defensive touchdown. So, but other than that, I've been pretty, pretty good, at least in terms of the spread with, uh, with Notre Dame games this year. So, but I think for Notre Dame to actually win this game, which they're favored to do again, surprisingly, um, I think the only way that they win this game is to turn it into a game that actually drives most of us absolutely crazy and doesn't throw deep and does a lot of short stuff and shortens this game a lot. And keeps the USC offense off the field. I think that it's the only way. I get USC's defense is bad and is you know very bad, but Louisville's wasn't great either. And if this thing turns into a track meet, Notre Dame could maybe keep up for like a tiny bit, but not for an entire game. Um, and I think back to what year was it? What year was it? I think it was Brady Quinn's second year. There was a year where USC came in. So what was Brady Quinn's second year? 2003. No, 2004. 2004, you're right. I I think this is the game I'm thinking because that would have been – or maybe not. Four would have been at USC, wouldn't it? Because odd even years are at USC. Was it Brady Quinn's freshman year? I can't remember. I just remember it was a Willingham and Tyrone – or and uh, Tyrone Willingham and Brady Quinn game. Where like USC came in and they scored, we scored, they scored, we scored. And it was like Fasano was on that team because I remember Fasano might have had both touchdowns or at least one of it, one of them. And it was like, whoa, where Notre Dame is keeping up with this USC team. And then it was like from that point on, USC just ran away with it. Um, And it's like if Notre Dame gets into a track meet on Saturday, I think that's what's going to happen. Maybe they score one or two and kind of keep it close. But Notre Dame's offense is not in any – Maybe it'll be better than last week. I just I can't foresee any scenario. And again, we could be wrong. I was dead wrong last week um, where this offense that has not looked great for three straight weeks just suddenly flicks a switch and looks great, even with USC's defense being very bad. So I think the only way Notre Dame has a chance in this game is if 
you know, they, again, they shorten it down. They have a seven and eight minute drive, maybe in the first quarter. Um, you know, that kind of, that kind of game. I, I don't know. What do you, what are your, your thoughts? Well, what, what do you, what do you say by track meet? What do you mean by that? Like track where it's just like score for score, like where, you know, Notre Dame comes out trying to throw it down the field and is scoring on like, you know, three, four play drives or five play drives where it's just like, you know, they're, they're chucking the ball around, like kind of like what they ended up almost. I mean, how many times did Hartman throw against Louisville? It's like 30 something, 44. 44, like Notre Dame can't win a game where Sam Hartman throws 44 passes. I don't think. No. So, and even with USC's defense being bad. So that's what I mean by like a track meet where if it like, if, if, if it's a, you know, boom, 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 back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, USC scoring quick and Notre Dame is scoring, you know, again, in three, four, five minute drives. Like, I don't think that Notre Dame can keep that pace. I think they have to slow it down. And I don't necessarily like to watch these kind of games, by the way. So I'm not advocating for this being the, the, um, the 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 way to go but i think it's the i think it's the only way they really are going to have a chance is if you slow this down which means you are going to have to run the ball but um and run it well which you know maybe usc's defense is bad enough that notre dame could run against eight nine man boxes i don't know but um that's what i mean by it like it's gonna almost like because i mean how many drives did notre dame actually have against ohio state not a lot seven right well it was seven like real drives there you go. So something like that. Like I, it, it needs to be that kind of ball control type game for Notre Dame, I think, to beat USC. Well, it needs to be that because that's the only way they can play. Right. I mean, so like it's not so to me, it's like, yeah, the track meet thing. It's kind of it kind of implies that Notre Dame is capable of that's, uh, having a successful offense in that scenario. And they point. are not. So like, they, oh, they, they, I agree. They, they can't do that. So I think. There are fans, though, who think like, OK, yeah, the offense has looked bad, but USC's defense is so bad that we're going to be able to throw it. And I just I don't think so. Well, no. So I think that Notre Dame. OK. OK. So there's kind of like a big misconception with, with the way that I'm talking about, especially on Twitter, like the way that I talk about Notre Dame and the way that they need to attack teams that I don't like the runs and I think they need to throw. Mm hmm. And it's it's not that I've said it a hundred like I've said it a number of times. I think it's not that Notre Dame is running too much and they're not throwing enough. It's that when they throw, they aren't doing the things that are necessary to get the most out of their talent and what their talent is. And so like they are insistent on having their wide receivers win one on one matchups. That is a bad proposition for them. They are not going to be successful in that scenario. They haven't been successful in that scenario. So they need to throw it in a different kind of way. And they need to put the defense in a bind, which you could do theoretically against USC. I mean, shoot, Drew Pine like started like 15 of 15 or whatever it was against this team last year, right? Like they are they will clearly give you opportunities in the passing game. But they Notre Dame cannot like come out and be like, we're going to drop back and throw the ball against right. any team. It doesn't matter who it is, you know? And, and so, 
Well, I should say any FBS team. Not I'm mean, obviously they can work against like Central Michigan, but that, yeah. that, they tried to do that against NC State. They're like, did that work? No, it did not. No, it did right? not. So. I think that Notre Dame needs to be smart with the way that they go about attacking teams. They will be a grinded out because that is what their best thing is. They are best at that. That is the most sustainable thing they can do. They are not capable of getting in a track meet with any team. So yeah, like it does have to be, I mean, it has to be, it has to be Clemson last year. Yeah. That's what it needs to be. Yep. Right. Because even last year's USC game, that and that that's kind of like the game that I'm in, maybe to a lesser extent, but that game kind of felt like that where in the second half it kind of started going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And even though Notre Dame was moving the ball, like you knew it wasn't sustainable. And that that's what Notre Dame, I don't like I said, needs needs to avoid um if they well, if they can. So I agree that although that I would love it if we could see well, you know what? We hadn't seen a performance like that Clemson game last year until the Clemson game. Because <laughs> that was a surprise. Yeah, that was that absolutely. Was, no one saw that. So especially like, against them. It is possible, right? So it, it, it a lot of guys, those those players are still on that offense. But um, there you go. We're talking ourselves into Notre Dame winning big all of a sudden. We went from <laughs> USC minus seven to we're pulling a Clemson 2022 game. But uh, I did not. I did not say they. Could win. That's what I heard. I think that's no, what no, I, no. I, I, I said. That's, that's how they need to play. I said I that's heard how they you need say to play. this is what's going to happen. <laughs> but, uh, but you're right. It's like that is that that's the the you know the blueprint. Whether or not they can follow it, I don't know. Um, we're gonna find out. Uh, and I mean, I think, I think the thing that surprises me about USC the most too is that the offense. Has their offense has kind of looked like not that unstoppable. Like, you know, I think most people expected that this year, like year two, Lincoln Riley, year two, Caleb Williams. It it was gonna come out and just look, you know, un, unstoppable. And they're scoring points, but it's like, I mean, okay, they scored 43 against Arizona, but they needed three overtimes. Um, and it, you know, it just it's I guess the number of points per game, it feels like watching their games like. Maybe they just score in bunches because it feels like they go long stretches without scoring and then score a lot. Uh, yeah. Watch them more though. Like, like even that Arizona game, it was seventeen nothing. Like it took them a while to get going, and uh, or even the Colorado game, it's like they jumped out, they scored all those points, and then they just went into like a shell and let Colorado back in the game. Uh, yes. 100%. I mean, look, I, I think that their receivers aren't as good as they've been. Yeah. Um, and I... points. The receivers aren't as good as they've been. And it's just that Caleb puts a lot on himself. I mean, it is very much like Caleb Williams is, is running the whole ship. Good Lord. And, 22 what? touchdowns, one interception. I just looked at his stats. You know, it's just, yeah. I hadn't looked at, oh, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> but yeah, you, yeah, what is he? Yeah, okay. I was just looking at the yardage too. And it's just, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Do you think the Notre Dame defense is going to be able to slow him down? Uh, yes, I do. Well, no, I think they're, they, I, they, I'll say this. They are better equipped this year. Than they were last year. Okay. 
very much. The corner, like the corners are there. You have Cam Hart playing. You have Thomas Harper playing. Xavier Watts is playing better than he did last year. I think Bertrand and Marist are playing better than they did last year. They can't rush the passer as well. But um, in the middle, I think Riley Mills is playing better than he ever has. I think Howard Cross is playing better than he ever has. So it is possible. Now, you do have to get Caleb Williams on the ground. You have to get him on the ground. You have to get him on the ground. You have to get him on the ground. Yep. Which did not happen last year. Uh, no, it did no. not. There was a couple so, of Superman plays that he made. That, yeah. that was why they won the game. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, other than, like I said, our brief moment there where we where we gave ourselves a glimmer of hope, um, I don't think either one of us does really feel overly confident going into, uh, you know, going into this one. Um, let's say before we go jumping into, you know, to the questions that we got, let's say Notre Dame does win. Where would that rank in terms of surprises to you, given what we've seen the last three weeks? The last three weeks. Would it be a big surprise or would it be like, okay, you know, stuff happens type scenario? What do you mean? Like, would you like say Notre Dame ultimately wins this game um, and they look and say, say they pull something similar to Clemson, maybe not to that level because that was ridiculous. Uh, But they come out, they run the ball well, they end up winning this game. Like given how both of us are feeling right now in terms of like it not being likely for that to happen. How big of a surprise would that be to you if it did, if that is the outcome, if Saturday night at 1030 or 11 PM Eastern, you know, you're firing up the, the post game show with Jamie over at IST. I, how surprised would you be if you guys were talking about a 10 point Notre Dame win and Notre Dame, you know, rushing for 200 yards? Um, I mean, I'd be fairly surprised just right? given, just given how they've, they've looked. But it's like the the way it happens isn't – it's like it's kind of easy to see, right? Like you could see it. I just don't – I just don't want to go out and be like, yeah, like – because I don't want to assume good play anymore. No. Because I assumed that against Louisville, and we did not get that. We got the opposite of that. Right. So I don't want to assume good play. I think it's more Fair likely point. that Notre Dame doesn't play well. But like the way that it happens is – it's honestly, it's fairly simple. It truly is. Like – Notre Dame gets the ball, grinds them down the field, hits some timely passes, some third and short passes or whatever, and goes down and scores a touchdown, right? And then uh, USC, you know, somehow they get USC off the field. Let's say they force a field goal there, right? And, And then, you know, Notre Dame gets the ball, and then they kind of do the same thing. And they, gr- and they go down and they grind them down the field again and mm-hmm. they score a touchdown. And then it's 14-3 and then everything kind of shifts. Now, the thing for me is like, is like you can then put it on the defense and the defense can kind of just like, you know, suddenly USC's playing from behind and suddenly mm-hmm. like they they start to feel a little weird, you know, and things get a little bit, you know, shaky there, right? And all of a sudden, all of the, all of the, uh, emotions and all of the feelings, all the vibes, like they start to come up a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think, I, I think Notre Dame has to score first, like a touchdown. Yeah. They have to score a touchdown first. If they don't, then 
then they're I, I just I, I can't see them falling behind and having to play from behind and winning this game. So you're Marcus Freeman. You win the toss. Offense or defense? Uh, I would I would go offense first. I think you have to. No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I would go defense first. Sorry about that. Really? I think you got to take the ball. Okay. They have a bad defense. You, to your point, I think Notre Dame's got to win this game, or got got, got to score first. I, I think you've asked your defense to do so much that you got to be confident that you, with a week to prepare, or with all week to prepare, that like your first drive is going to do something against this this bad USC defense. I mean, I did just say like Notre Dame needs to score first, so maybe you do start with the ball. Yeah. Um, and try to get a lead, and just say okay. Like, try to get a lead. Try, long drive, like one of those things where it's like the crowd will be hopefully, you know. Actually, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of crowd it is. If Notre Dame won last week, the crowd would be crazy. It would be great. I, I, the prices for these tickets, by the way, have plummeted. Because um, I have friends going yeah. who asked me a couple weeks ago, like, hey, prices right now are insane. You know, how did you guys get tickets for the Ohio State game? And I had to be like, yeah, no, we just paid stupid amounts of money to go to the Ohio State game because all of our connections were unable to get extra tickets for us this time. And like just kind of gave them like anecdotal things of like when we saw prices drop. And I was texting with, uh, you know, with her like earlier this week. And it was just like, hey, you know, at least game tickets are coming down. She was like, yeah, I would much rather be overpaying. Good. My God. All right. Right now, I just looked. They've come down another 30 to 40 dollars since yesterday. You can now. Get two tickets in the lower. Oh, wait, no, these are upper bowl. Sorry, these are section 119. Get in the door price on SeatGeek is 118 a ticket before fees. So figure out, tack on another 20 bucks a ticket for fees. That's not bad. That's lower than face value for this game. Lower bowl seats, buck 25 before fees. Like there, there is. There are so many cheap tickets available to this game. That is a bad sign for the atmosphere that that, that will be there. If this many cheap tickets are available, that means, well, who knows? Maybe it means you just get, like, the real crazies to show up. Um, that would be great. But um, <laughs> that's not encouraging to see this many um, super cheap tickets available. You can get, wow, I'm just looking again. In, in my younger years, this is when, like, the idiot in me would be like, you know what? I can make it out there, you know, before I had kids and everything. Uh, <laughs> $211 bucks for the 30-yard line for Notre Dame wow. USC. That's, again, what's face face value on the lower bowl for these, I think, is like a buck ninety-five. This is not bad. That is not bad at all. Um Anyway, all right, let, let's let's jump to questions because we have some, you know, relative to both both last week's game and this game. We're gonna start off with our good buddy Oscar at Vamos Irish. <laughs> First question, I laughed when I saw it. Um, do you think Parker was the kid that you didn't want on your team for the school group project? <laughs> <laughs> That's mean. It is mean, but it's also funny. Um, You know what? It's it would be it would be meaner if these coaches weren't paid a lot of money to do what they do. And I feel less bad about it, knowing how much money they are making to call football plays. So um, but I don't know. Like, I mean, when you look at it, 
it just like honestly objectively looking at this like relative to the rest of the staff i don't think parker is the only one to blame for what we're seeing and here's a nobody asked this but actually now i did want to bring it up because this triggered um you know it reminded me of something one thing you know that we might have all overlooked was also the transition uh you know from harry he stand uh you know to rudolph as the offensive line coach and thinking it would be a seamless transition and you know different offensive line coaches like have different you know, for, you know, different blocking schemes. They ask their offensive linemen to do different things and things like that. How much of that do you think is playing a role in some of the struggles on the offensive line? I mean, it, the transition, sure. Like, I think, I think no I, matter who was the line coach, what's that? Yeah, just to say, not that it's like the only thing, right? But it's like right. when you have injuries at receiver to a depleted at ride receiver room, when you have a new offensive play caller like it's it's a piece that no, I, we haven't really talked about that I, I thought about that you know again as we're as I'm watching or reading about the, the the plan to to rotate the guards it's like you know everyone just assumed to be like seamless and I mean Rudolph's a great coach but it's like it's still a, a change um to again to a bunch of you know 18 to 21 year olds so sorry to cut you off well no it's it, it's true right but I think that I I mean I kind of I kind of um I kind of factored that in. Okay. I, I'm I'm just like stunned that like it went from like Notre Dame's situation is solid at least on the offensive line going into Ohio State like post first four games like they're solid they're fine mm-hmm. to see the dip in play that we've seen and now you're rotating players it's just kind of shocking like I did not see that right. coming. I did not see that. That is strange. So um, he's established O line coach too. It's not like Notre Dame took a flyer on somebody. Like that was a good hire, <laughs> right? Like Rudolph's coached some pretty good offensive lines in his day. Yeah. So it's weird. Like I think that the the shocking thing is like how many times you see you know Joe Alt land on his backside in that game. Yeah. Like, at least there was like at least two times when you saw him just get run over. How many times you see Joe Alt get run over? The previous two plus years, yeah, not a lot. Not even as a freshman did he get bull rushed like that. So that was, you know, discerning. But is that it also again? Think of it: three offensive line coaches in three years for the line. It's again, it's not nothing, uh, but it is. It's a, it's a, it's a piece to the puzzle right now that I think. Notre Dame's trying to, uh, you know, Notre Dame's trying to figure out. And it is just frustrating, too. Like, the last, it's like the third year in a row where it's like, now it's taking you time to get the, well, we don't even know yet if the offensive line will get to where, you know, we thought it could be. But like 2021, line started so bad for what was it, five games? And then the Virginia Tech game was game six? Or was it four games? And, And that was the fifth game? I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But, you know, whatever the number was. It was like the offensive line was just terrible for the first few weeks. Then all of a sudden you make a change. Kristoffic goes in, Alt goes in, and boom, you have a good offensive line the rest of the year. Last year it took a little while for the line to, you know, to gel. Look at how bad it was against, um, you know, Marshall and how little time, uh, you know, Buckner had when he was dropping back. But by the end of the year, you're running all the ball down Clemson's throat. So 
there's precedent too for this line to still get figured out, but uh, the deeper we get into the season, less likely. Um, next question from Oscar. Which fit, which, what's a harder fix, a bad U.S. defense or a sputtering Notre Dame offense? The harder fix? Yeah. Um, in this situation, it's harder. The, the defense, the defense to me is unfixable. Okay. For USC. Yeah. And All the right. offense is, yeah, so that's, I guess, good news. The offense is just there we like, go, hey, folks. Optimism. Like the, the offense is just like, hey, you need to find something that you can do like consistently and just keep doing that thing. And that's that's Notre Dame's problem right now is they don't have a good feel for like what we can do that's successful. If they find it, then you can just you can kind of build off of that. USC's defense is they have the worst plans I think that I've ever seen. Like what they're trying to do structurally. And, and that is broken. And you can't just implement new concepts. So it's like that is that to me is like a much bigger problem. They are unsound. Uh, their tackling is awful. They don't set the edge defensively. Like they they just like fundamentally they are a poor a poor unit um so that's broken mm -hmm. it now i guess to their credit it's easier to kind of get by on defense when you have a bad defense if you're playing a team like notre dame unfortunately for notre dame that can't really exploit your biggest weaknesses and that is their their un, in organization in the back and their inability to cover because Notre Dame, you know, can't can't take advantage of that, unfortunately. Right. So um, that's interesting. That's interesting. All right. I like that. That gives me a little bit of hope, at least a little. Yeah, a little yeah no, bit. for sure. Um, all right. Oscar also originally said no food question. Um, I've only thought about. Oh, man, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. Oh, Albondigas. Albondigas, since uh, Greg brought it up. So he said he's only been thinking about that since the last It's pod. delicious. It's just However, delicious. I told him we would not answer his questions unless he did add a food question. So he did add one. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> he says, what is the one dish you try to make time and time again, but can never seem to get it right? That's a good one. I'll tell you what, what mine was until very recently was jambalaya jambalaya yeah i i made it a bunch of times and it was always like fine but it was always one of those things that i would make when it was just like okay we don't got a lot in the fridge we need to make something what can i throw together and i'd be like oh you know what we got a bag of frozen shrimp we probably have all the other stuff to make you know jambalaya and it would always just be like okay um but the last time I made it, I, I used some of what I've learned from my mother-in-law about uh, making arroz con pollo, uh, of toasting the rice before I added the broth in it, and it made such a world of difference. It was the, – the jambalaya was delightful the last time I made it. I was like, yeah, this, this is the best jambalaya I've ever made. Because other than that, it was always just like, meh. So, but toasting the rice, man, that was something learned from the mother-in-law, and I was like – 
it's just changed rice for me. Um, it's been phenomenal. So, uh, mine is the curry. Oh, okay. See, I don't I even keep, attempt that. I, I keep I trying to make it and it's just yeah. never like, I, it's never like I want. And I don't know what I'm doing wrong, really. Hmm. The only thing is, is like every recipe I've ever seen is like curry powder. Yeah. And I feel like it needs to be curry paste. Ah, and for okay. some reason I can't find it or not the, not the curry paste that I want. I can find curry paste that's red, but I don't want that. I want yellow curry, but I can't yeah. find yellow curry paste. <laughs> it's only the powder. And you try the internets. I could try the internets, but it's just, I don't know. It's not working. There's been a couple times where I was like, oh, I got it. I got it. And then it's yeah. just like, no, nah, I don't got it. Nope. All right. So, Well, there you go. I think you should try to find the paste on the internet and go that yeah. route. Um, all right. Next next up is uh, Chris Jenkins. As always, thank you for the question, questions, Chris. He says, do you think this team has a bit of fatigue since this will be the eighth straight game without a break? And you mentioned this already, like teams do this. This isn't necessarily, you know, related, you know, just something new for Notre Dame. I don't necessarily think that's it. I think one thing we didn't talk about, you know, midterms, and I think that actually might be in somebody's questions. Exam week has in the past reared its ugly head for Notre Dame at times, not always, but I do remember there was like a period there for a long time where it was like, it's exam week at Notre Dame. And you'd be like, ah, man. They're going to be tired this week. They're not going to be all, all together there. But I don't necessarily think it's, you know, the problem of eight straight without a bye. What do you think? Um, I mean, I, I maybe it's like, maybe it's like a good thing. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's like, maybe the midterms is like a, a good thing for them. Uh, the eight straight games without a bye, like, I just think, look, you knew ahead of time. It's not like it's a new thing. Correct. You just gotta. You gotta. You just gotta play good, man. Like you can't. You, it's like you can't be that tired. Like honestly, I, I understand. It's eight straight weeks or whatever, but every team does that. Like let's say let's say they move the buy from. You know, after this game, to, uh, in between, you know like after NC state and then you just had, you know, and then you just had uh central Michigan, Ohio state, Duke, Louisville, USC. Like that's still a hard stretch by or not. Yeah. You know, at, at the end of the fifth week, it's just like, Hey, we've played five weeks in a row. We just played three straight ranked teams, two of them on the road at night. Like they're going to be, they're going to be tired no matter what. So just, right. It's not a thing. Like, you just need to deal with it. I agree. Um, I don't, I mean, they knew what it was, um, you know, coming in. I don't necessarily think that is uh, is, is why we saw what we did. Uh, Chris also asked, has Parker's play calling been figured out? Play calling? No, I don't. Th- I mean, I don't know. It's it's chicken egg. Is it, has his play calling been figured out or has his just offensive design been figured out? Um, one thing we didn't talk about, and I don't think there were any questions on it, but like just the lack of motion and it was, you know, I think, um, I retweeted it. I think you might've actually seen this and mentioned it in the post game pod, uh, that you did with Jamie on Saturday night was Dan Orlovsky from ESPN pointing out just how stagnant I think was the word he used. Do you say stagnant static? I forget what he said. He said, well, either way it's, they're not moving same up. thing, right? Yeah, he, he basically is like, there's no movement in this offense. And I think like 
that is the bigger problem than the play calling because you're not, you know, putting the, much pressure on the defense. We saw some motion. I, in fact, I don't remember like almost any. There was maybe a little motion against Louisville. There was a bunch with with Flores against Duke, if I'm remembering right. I think I remember uh, that's the game where where I was like, okay, Flores is at least moving a little bit. Still not a lot. And it's like you're just not you're not moving guys around, and you are not really making the opposing defense think or communicate pre-snap. And guess what? When you make a bunch of college de- college defenders think and communicate pre-snap, you have a great chance to confuse them or for them, you know, for there to be breakdowns and for you to get players open, you know, that way. And Notre Dame is not doing that. And that is, I think, what's been figured out. Well, here's the other thing, right? Like how often does Notre Dame motion to pass? Well, they don't motion a lot to begin with. Right, but they don't really motion to pass. They motion to run. Yeah. Which is predictable. Right. Right. So, or they or they that, motion to run a certain kind of pass, like the yeah. the swing the swing to either love or the backside screen to the the wide receiver, which like you said, it's just an alert. Yeah. You know, they're going to know. So that that's the issue. It's like you got a motion to run, motion to pass, yeah. motion to identify and then change the play like you also That's, when you okay no go ahead i was just saying when you motion you know you get clues as to what the defense is in and notre dame's not getting that because they're not motioning that often yeah so fresh that's the part i think that's been figured out um and because a lot of times too like i mean i've seen some of the breakdowns that you and jamie have both done too where it's like some of the calls are not as bad as they seem live mm. When you start breaking them down and seeing like, you know, some of the, you know, kind of just the misses, um, you know, that are happening and the lack of execution that is happening. So um, I think it's more the just overall design of the offense that's needs tweaking quite a bit. Um, And then we can get to the play calling. (laughs) But um, can or will there be a bounce back Saturday against FUSC? I mean, Chris, if you've been listening long enough, you know, by now where our heads are at on that. Can there be? Yes. Will there be? I doubt it. The, here's the thing. USC is not like this unstoppable juggernaut. They That's are not. True. Like they are like they they are basically like in 2023, they are Caleb Williams magic. That's what they are. And what's a good comp what, for them? That's right what now. needs to a, a good comp comp like in terms of like what like a team from the past where they just they were just so totally quarterback driven and not like. Not much else, and we're beatable because of it. I'm trying to think of one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, with like a bad defense. Yeah, like I'm trying try to. As it's a. I mean, USC 2022. <laughs> like I, like I just, I just True. like. So the point is, it's like it's not. This is not an impossible task, is what I'm saying. No, it's just that the way that Notre Dame is playing right now, it's hard to pick them to beat any kind of a good team. That's exactly, that is where I am at. Like, I don't, I am not necessarily thinking the season is done. Like, or obviously the playoffs are out of the picture, but like, I look at it as like, okay, you get a bye week. I, I don't, I will not feel 
that Notre Dame is going to lose. Again, well, if, famous last words, right? Before the USC, going into the USC game, I'm not looking at any game afterwards and saying like, oh, I have no idea how Notre Dame is going to win that or Notre Dame is probably going to lose that or I don't feel comfortable thinking Notre Dame is going to win that. Um, even Clemson, because Clemson's not very good either. So um, there's, I guess my, my point, um, you know, kind of in saying that is just like, I don't think it's super dire, you know, right now in terms of the rest of the season. But I do, I just, given where the offense is at, I just have a hard time seeing how we're going to put up enough points. Because even if the defense plays great, yeah. like you can't yeah. expect them to play perfect. I don't, you can't yeah. expect them to, to hold, you know, USC under 20. Like, no, I'm sorry. Like, you just can't. Um, you know, Notre Dame's going to need to score 30 points to win this game. And I just don't know if the current state of the offense even going up against a bad defense is capable of doing that. So we'll see. Uh, next question we got from Juan Carlos to uh, He says, oh, you are going to, you are going to have disappointed Juan Carlos here. Cause he says, I can't <laughs> wait to listen to Greg's great optimism. Um, so whoopsie, we weren't necessarily the most optimistic. Um, but he says, why the regression of the offensive line? They seem to be lost. They don't know who to block sometimes. Is Hartman part of the problem that he is not identifying the pressure correctly? Seems there are no in-game adjustments to the protection. Um, I mean, I just, they, 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 in this latest game, there were just a lot of physical beats. Yeah. Shrouds getting just walked back that one time. Yeah, but like even, like even Fisher, all like just getting beaten. You know, which you're not used to seeing. Right. Just like losing in situations where like, why are you losing here? Like, that's yeah. ridiculous. You know, um, I don't know. I, I that's I, that's the part that I don't really understand. Yep. Usually you get better as time goes on. Not the not the not reverse, the, not the other way. So I don't so, know. All right. Uh, next question we got is from Drew Brennan at Drew Brennan 77. Uh, stalk me off the ledge here. What gives you to faith that we will see a better Notre Dame offense on Saturday night? Would have figured that after the Ohio State and Duke games that uh, the Louisville game would have been the we have sorted this out game. Instead, it was maybe even worse. What changes on Saturday night? I well, yeah, exactly. And I don't think, you know, either one of us is giving you faith. That, that, you know, we'll see a better Notre Dame offense. I do think the one external, like, intangible factor here in all of this is that, you know, Notre Dame, the team itself, like, just could not have felt good about that. Like, right? Like, we as fans, we talk about, like, ah, you know, it ruined our Saturday. Um, you know, I, was, I said I like to just be sad. And it's just like, yes, we watch these games and we put way too much – uh, you know, emotional, uh, you know, emotional, you know, baggage into into these games. These players put literally everything that they do into these games. And coming off of a loss like that, I think the one intangible that might make us see something a little bit different is them just, you know, playing, you know, a lot more pissed off this week. And I know there's going to be some people listening going like, well, you shouldn't have to lose to play pissed. You know, yes, yes, yes. I understand that. However, it happened. And sometimes, you know, that is the result, right? It could go two ways, though. It could go from like, you know, it could go the opposite direction, too, of like, you know, they're just dejected. Um, but it can go the other way where, you know, sometimes a loss like that can, you know, piss them off and they can come out and look and look pretty good. 
um, or at least play a little more fired up and not have the kind of physical beats, uh, you know, that we saw uh, that we saw last week. So I think if anything, that would be what gives me some hope that something, you know, might be, you know, might be different because, you know, the, the offense just can't, like, you, you can't change substantially between games, you know, seven and eight or six and seven or seven and eight, sorry, seven and eight. You can't change between like you, you, you've like, what, how many hours of practice do you have between, uh, you know, between weeks? Not a lot. It's not like, Oh, we're just going to change the offense. We're going to install all this new stuff for USC. No, the stuff that, you know, that we're going to see, we've seen, maybe there's a wrinkle, you know, that they work on this week that are like, you know what, we're going to build off of one or two things that we did see. And we add a new wrinkle for that. But like, you know, maybe during the bye week you have a little more time to figure some stuff out and maybe make, you know, some larger scale changes. But even then, like, I think we, as fans in general, uh, overestimate like how much can actually be done during a bye week, especially in college when the coaches need to spend a lot of that time recruiting. So, um, uh, so we're not going to see like substantial changes. However, I think that like that one like level, that intangible level is what we're not accounting for, you know, right now. Um, and hopefully that that helps because you win this game and you're six and two going into your bye week. And you got four winnable games and you could still be 10 and two and go to a New Year's six bowl game. Like that is not going, that would not be a terrible season. No. Right. That's still possible. Um, it's not, again, I don't think it's likely right now, but like you win this game and then maybe I'll say it's likely on the next pod. So that's where I'm at with this. I mean, what could happen is Notre Dame could simply come out and play better. Yeah. And play it, it could happen. Like, like there, like that is a thing that can happen in sports. But there is, there is a component to Notre Dame on offense where it's just like, hey, just go play better. Yeah, just play better. You know, there are a lot because, like Marcus Freeman says, execution. There are a lot of execution errors. A there are. So that's exactly. Now sometimes, that, now yeah. sometimes poor plans put you in in a position to have execution errors. Very true. So there's that piece as well. But they could just come out and play better. Um, and I think and I think there's like a, and a real thing might be Notre Dame's two worst games offensively. Like Ohio State was not a look, we how many times did we talk about like from a from a success rate standpoint, Notre Dame outplayed Ohio State, right? The two worst games we've seen are when they didn't have Jaden Thomas and Jaden Greathouse at wide receiver against Duke, and they didn't really have them last weekend against Louisville either. Right. Those guys weren't healthy. So if they are healthy in this game, like in a real way where they're playing their real snaps, then maybe we'll maybe that's like a big deal, right? And in, in a way that we can't, we don't understand. You know, that is possible. So. It, there's that right like there's that just sitting there yeah so that that that's what i would say like they could just simply play better and the return of like healthy great house and thomas are is like an actual legitimate thing yeah all right next question we got three more here we got one from brian o'leary at dr domer says i think hartman is a good qb but would we be any worse than five and two with buckner who wouldn't have transferred uh, and jelly or even Minchie, all of whom are more mobile than Sam. 
can't go to the portal again if we expect to recruit and retain high-level quarterbacks. Let's take the um, first part. Is Notre Dame, with Tyler Buckner, is Notre Dame worse than 5-2 and two right now? I mean... They're at worst 4-3. and three. At worst. You're not losing the Navy. Yeah, I'm You're just not- th- I'm I'm trying to think about NC State. I mean, look at I I don't Maybe. know. Like I I, I don't it, who knows? Like they lost to Marshall. Like I sure. like they lost They're to not Marshall. better. They're not better than 5 and 2 with any You're not better two. than 5 and 2. 100% no. But I do think like given the way their game played, like I do think they could have I think it's possible they beat Louisville with Buckner just because of the yeah, running run. the, the added running element to that. Yeah, it's true. It's possible. I, I don't know that for certain. Yeah. Um, like the wide receiver situation has kind of mitigated Sam Hartman. True. It has. Um, and that's a bummer. But yes. I, I just think that that's true. Um, with Angeli and uh, Minchie, 100% no. 100%, agreed. Agreed. 100% no. Like I, they lose, they lose to NC State with Angelia Minchie. Probably, yeah, I would agree with that. So. Um, and the portal part, I don't necessarily think Notre Dame can't go to the portal this year. To be honest with you, I don't think Notre Dame could go to the portal and just take a guy to take a quarterback. Like I don't think Notre Dame should go to the portal this year if they're if the end result is going to be like a Jack Cone. And no disrespect to Cone. Cone was a fine quarterback for Notre Dame, but he wasn't like he wasn't he was needed that year because Notre Dame had you know very little depth um, of any kind um, that year, um, and needed need, they needed somebody who could be game manager um, and who could who could do it. Um, I don't think if there is a quarterback in the portal that can be a true difference maker like and that person does not exist right now but like two years ago at this time nobody knew that caleb williams was going to be in the portal right Right. so like things can happen um so if there is a quarterback like that that decides you know like hey i have one year left i want to go to a place you know showcase my talents somewhere else and try to improve my draft position and that presents itself i would not be surprised if notre dame went after because I don't think CJ Carr, I, I think CJ Carr is going to be a great quarterback. I don't think you can't bank on him starting day no. one. No. And Jelly, we haven't seen enough to know really, like, can he be the guy? You know, um, there were promising reports on him coming out of out of out of fall camp, but it's like we didn't really see him throw the ball that much. And then Minchie again, we just don't we just don't know. So like, if somebody like that presents itself, like yeah, Notre Dame Notre Dame would be foolish not to. Uh, but it's got to be somebody like that. It can't just be like, um, you know, somebody who, you know, was is like a fine quarterback who's just going to want to come in and be a game manager because then I just don't see the point. Um, but you know, I don't know. Maybe there's some five star recruit somewhere, you know, who's or, you know who's got a lot of talent who is ent- going to be entering like a junior year and not starting somewhere yet. Who's like, I want to. You know, I want to transfer. Hey, Justin Fields transferred. Joe Burrow transferred, right? One of those is out there. Like, sure, go for it. That's my take on the, on the, you know, just in general, the portal, um, you know, for Notre Dame at quarterback next year. What quarterback is looking at Notre Dame right now and is like, you know also what? Also true. Like, that's where I need to go. Also true. That's a valid point. 
it's got it's got to be one of the most least attractive situations that you hey, could Hey, Notre Dame didn't necessarily look that great last year either, and Hartman came, and that was with Alabama and other schools pursuing. So it, it's, you know... It, I it, understand, but the narrative was completely different. Like, now yeah. you've seen a guy... That's true. Because the narrative last year was like, hey, their quarterback situation's killing them. Yeah. And well, now it's like... Yeah, six games to turn it around. Porter Harmon looks terrible. <laughs> sure, five games. The receivers look terrible. Five games to turn it around. Starts this weekend. Notre Dame by 14. <laughs> uh, anyway, two more questions left here. Um, we got Corey... Uh, at C underscore barrier. Um, okay. says, will Parker be fired during or after the season? And will Notre Dame actually spend money on a qualified replacement? Um, I'm not going to speculate about anybody being fired or losing jobs. Um, not what we're going to do on the pod here. Um, uh, I would say my take on it is I am sure there are many people inside the Goog who are not happy with where the offense is at right now. Um, and I think, you know, like any team, I think everyone will be, you know, evaluated, uh, you know, I, and I don't necessarily think anybody is on, I mean, there might be some warm seats in the Goog, you know, right now. Um, but I don't know that there's any hot seats either, at least, you know, right now. So that's my take on it. But, um, I mean, I think all I'll say on it is Notre Dame has to see more substantial improvement in some capacity of the offense by the end of the year, whether that's better execution, you know what I mean? Something has to, something has to change. If they're still looking this bad against Boston college and Pitt, then, then that question's going to answer itself. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, yeah, it's like, will he be fired or whatever? I, what I would say is he, it would be very good for him if Notre Dame had a very good performance this week. Correct. It would be, it would be very good for him if that happened. Yes, exactly. So, um, all right, last question we have here. This is a fun one. Notre Dame's loaded schedule offering weeks of Super Bowl Saturdays that wear the Notre Dame athletes out versus other top-ranked teams playing JV squads in theirs. Why is this a good idea? And then there's a picture of the 2023... Michigan Wolverines football schedule featuring powerhouses, East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue uh, over the first nine weeks before Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State make an appearance at the end of the season. Um, Look, what I would say on this is that, one, Michigan, enjoy your schedule this year, because have you seen their schedule for next year, Greg? I have. It is glorious. Uh, <laughs> I I love it. it. Who is it? It was Oregon, USC, Penn State, and Ohio State, and Washington. I think. Or am I adding somebody there? Uh, I, I no, they don't play Washington. I thought they did. Uh, or maybe they do. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of USC. Uh, all right. So, you, oh, that's right. Let me see. Let me see. Um, I might be combining some. Let's 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 double check though. Uh, we got the internet's at our hand which is where you're going to find the the curry paste, for one. But uh, you're right. No Washington. We got 2024 Michigan football schedule. Texas. <laughs> um, I mean, they're not back, but, you know, Texas, Oregon. U- they do play Washington. No Penn State. All right. 
They are they home against Texas in September. Bunch of whatever games. Um, and then Oregon is at home. USC is at home. They are on the road at Ohio State. And they are on the road at Washington. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, that's great. Uh, one of my good buddies here in the neighborhood is a Michigan fan. He and I go back and forth. He's a Michigan alum. Actually, was in the Michigan band. He and I go back and forth, you know, quite a bit. Um, and I give him a hard time about the schedule all the time. So I'm going to enjoy this next year. Uh, this year it's going to suck because you know all they really have to do is what beat Ohio State and they'll be, you know, back in the playoffs again mm-hmm. if, just to get trucked. But um, yeah, next year's schedule for them is brutal. So enjoy it, Michigan. As to the Notre Dame aspect, um, look, the thing is, and this is, I, I think I've talked about it on the pod before, like Notre Dame's schedule every year has the ability to be like this because of the types of teams that Notre Dame ends up like scheduling and, and the ACC deal where it's like, it's really hard to predict all these years out. Like, you know, like years ago it was like, well, you know, every given year, Purdue might be a good Purdue team or Michigan State might be a good, you know, Michigan State team some years. And some years it just kind of bites you where a couple of them that you didn't think would be good or historically aren't very good turn out to be good. And then you're like, well, damn it. You know, we weren't counting on those games being our big games. And then, you know, they ended up, you know, being so even look at like, what year am I thinking? Like 2012. In the preseason, we thought that was going to be a really, really, really tough schedule, and it ended up not being. USC was really bad that year. Miami ended up being trash that year. Michigan wasn't good that year. But, like, you look at it a few years out, and you're like, damn, Notre Dame's playing Michigan, Miami, USC, Oklahoma, you know? And it's like, yeah. it turned out not to be good. This year, three, even last year, right? If you would have looked at, we would have looked at this, we'd have been like, wow, oh, not really worried about Louisville. Now Louisville's, what, 6-0? and uh, you know, the, the, you know, this year, Duke, a couple years, you know, when you when you look at the schedule and you're looking at it out, it's like Duke, you're not thinking of Duke as being like a good team, but like it's possible when you play all of these teams, right? Sometimes Syracuse has been that team for us where they are, you know, they're better than you, th- you thought. Notre Dame just took care of them those years um, when, when, it, when it turned out to be. So it's like, I think that's just kind of the challenge and the and the nature of the beast. Um, it, it, Duke is Duke and Louisville are not normally this good. So it's like, I, I can't look at this and say like, this was terrible scheduling. How could they have done it? Cause at this time last year, if we were doing like an early look ahead to the 2023 schedule, I don't think either one of us would have been like, Oh man, back to back Louisville and Duke. Right. Like you would have been like, eh, should be fine. Right. Like, so, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's my, you know, my, my take on it. It's just, a, just the challenge of, college football scheduling in general where you're scheduling these games so far out right and sometimes it's worked in notre dame's favor sometimes it's worked against notre dame where like you know a team that was supposed to be good ends up not being good and you know you take those when you when you get them and you know sometimes it works against you and that's just i think what what's happened with this schedule this year right any given year Pitt could be pretty good Boston yeah. College could be pretty good, like, but no one's looking at the back half of this schedule and going like, oh man, I gotta play Pitt. You know, like Pitt and Boston College are bad. So it's all of those like mid-tier teams that like can any in any one year can be good, any year they could be bad. And you know, sometimes 
it's the luck of the draw, right? Uh, in in terms of of how it plays out. So I, I I can't look at it like I know Swarbrick's taken a lot of heat, um, you know, from fans on Twitter and things like that because of like the schedule and the way it's played out. But it's like I can't, you know, like four, you know, however many years ago when it was when it was set up. Yeah, he. I mean, he he got unlucky with Duke in Louisville. There. Yeah, it's just like those um, those teams should normally not be are normally not this good, right. and it's just like they just happen to be good this year. So, you know, hard to predict. Like, yeah, Louisville got a new coach. Brom comes in and is you know he's a good coach. Yeah, Duke gets Elko last year, and Elko turns out to be a great coach. Which again, looking kind of far ahead, but if the Freeman experiment doesn't work out, you know, Elko is coached at Notre Dame. Um, yeah. What are you doing, Mike? Um, but uh, so, yeah, it's just it's hard to predict that. Hell, Pitt was in what? A major bowl game like two years ago. Right. Weren't they in like didn't, didn't Pitt win the ACC two years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Can you pick it? Yeah. So it's like, OK, you know, and that stuff is just like it's hard to predict. Um, if anything, the only thing I would say is like I do think the, the only criticism I, I actually mentioned regarding like you know, the, the, the athletic department or program related to this, to where Notre Dame is at right now is just the way the whole offensive coordinator search played out last year. That is that I'll blame, you know, I'll place some blame on, on Swarbrick, you know, for how that played out. And not that, you know, Andy Ludwig would have come in and lit the world on fire because Utah's offense does not look that good right now. Granted they're dealing with injuries and like cam rising, not being available um, has, you know, really hurt uh you know really hurt them but at the same time it's like Notre Dame should not have had to go internally for an offensive coordinator this year it should not have happened no um you had Hartman already in the fold you had a good offensive line there was no reason you know and like yeah there was questions about the receivers but like Notre Dame's gotten very unlucky there too. The fact that Greathouse, Thomas, and Colsey, who people forget about him, but like, hey, he looked pretty good in the opener. Um, you know, that all got hurt. Um, and Salerno got hurt. So you're, you, you know, Salerno was t- making plays against Ohio State last year. Yeah. And it's like they all got hurt. Um, so you got a little bit unlucky there, but like, you had good running backs. Uh, yeah. It, Notre Dame, that should have been a, you know, an, not necessarily easy position to fill, but like they, 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 they should not have had to settle for an in-house replacement, uh, you know, for Tommy Reese. Even given Tommy Reese's leaving, the timing was not ideal, right? Coaching carousel had already stopped for the year for the most part. So it shouldn't have been that. That's the part where, you know, it's easy to say, like, open up the checkbook and just get the best guy. But like you're Notre Dame. You should be able to do that. Ironically, what I think is kind of funny, if you look across Notre Dame's coaching staff, and I, I mean the, the the salaries and all of that, because it's a private institution are not like really known, but like the position where they probably had to open up the checkbook the most is probably defensive coordinator, which is the one position where your head coach has the most experience. Yeah. They got Golden from the, you know, they hired Golden away from the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Right. It's just like you look at it and you're like, man, you got the most experience on the defensive side of the ball. Like at Washington's been coaching a while. You know, Leary, obviously not that, you know, that much, but Golden. And then you look at the, uh, the offensive side of the ball, which Freeman had no experience on. 
And it's like Stucky, pretty young coach. Parker was a pretty young coach at, at you know at tight end. Granity at he stand originally, and then you know followed up with Rudolph for some experience at offensive line. But it's like that's the position, that's the side of the ball that you probably needed to open up the checkbook for and get somebody experienced in the first place. So that's that. That's I don't know how I got to there from from a schedule question. But I just I just want to say that Michigan's schedule is a total disgrace. It's 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 horrific. It's I mean so UNLV bad. UNLV Bowling Green and uh, East Carolina all at home. It's a, it's a disgrace. That's your out of conference schedule. Yeah, terrible. Off. And then I mean, could the Big Ten have done them any more favors? Uh, you know, with with their road to I mean. It's going to be November 11th will be the first time they face a ranked opponent this season. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Notre Dame will have had five. Yes. So enjoy it. Like I said, in Michigan, enjoy it. Enjoy your good regular season. You get past Ohio State and Penn State. You'll go to the playoffs again. You probably lose again because it's what Michigan's now done. Um and then next year, you're probably going to lose like two, three games in the regular season. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun for all of us. <laughs> ah, if only we were, you know, still in the top 10, it'd be so much easier to make fun of their schedule. Now it just sounds like, you know, sour grapes, which it is. But anyway, all right. I, we ended up going way longer than I thought, as always. But it's, you know what? It's always fun. It's always fun. You just sit here. I haven't drank beer in the last couple. I apologize. Um, We've uh, recorded a little earlier than normal uh, lately, and um, I do have playoff baseball to watch tonight, Greg, and I will be having I'll be having a few beers during the Phillies-Braves game three, and I just figured, you know what, don't start too early because um, I was in, a, again, I was in a low, I was in a bad place Monday night when the Phillies lost that game in heartbreaking fashion. So hopefully tonight is better. We'll see. And with that, man, we've covered all the questions. I think we covered everything. No new reviews to talk through this week. Leave the reviews. We will read them. Hopefully, we have a better result to talk about. I'm really tired of, you know, being, uh, you know, being grumpy when we're doing these and 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 not being, you know, optimistic. Um, but it's tough right now. So hopefully, we get a little bit better product to look to, you know, to uh, to talk about for next week. We'll see. I would love it if Notre Dame came out and did like a, you know, 95 style beating of USC. Because, uh, again, 95, Notre Dame had a couple losses coming into that USC game, and then they just trounced them. Um, Keyshawn Johnson ran his mouth ahead of the game and then wasn't talking much after. So hopefully we see that, but um, we'll see. With that, I'd like to say, or we would like to say, thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you for the questions. And always... The Irish.